We want to see where the codependency lies within this pattern. Our fixing and our saving others is done with the thought or with the belief that we will then be indebted to, that we will then be worthy, we will be good, that others won't leave us. We are doing it with this expectation that we're going to get something in return for it. Welcome to Codependency Alchemy, the podcast where we explore the power of healing the mother wound by exploring codependency in our relationships. I'm your host, Alyssa, and I'm here to share my own personal journey with codependency and the valuable tools that I've learned along the way. From setting boundaries to overcoming people-pleasing tendencies, we'll cover a range of topics related to codependency and offer actionable tips for creating healthy, fulfilling relationships. And that's not all. I'll be taking questions from our community that you can find on my Instagram story, offering compassionate and insightful advice for those struggling with codependency in their own lives. Whether you're dealing with codependency in a romantic relationship, with family members, or in friendships, this podcast provides a brave and supportive space for exploring your challenges and finding practical solutions. Check out the show notes or description box below to learn about the Codependency Alchemy membership, a group of women who gather two times a month on Zoom to receive support as they navigate new ways of relating in their relationships. So let's begin this journey of alchemizing codependency into sovereignty and discover the power of self-love, healing the mother wound, and transformation in your relationships. Okay, babes, this week we are going to get into fixer and saviorism, the theme in Codependency Alchemy, the membership in the month of May. I love bringing what we are alchemizing and moving through in the membership to the podcast because it's what we're all being invited to transmute. It's what we're all being invited to alchemize and It's just a great opportunity for you to get a glimpse and see what the membership is like. Obviously, on the membership, I am interacting with you. We're moving through it together, but this is an opportunity for you to take what I'm leading them or guiding them in and utilizing it or using it as a tool to navigate the pattern, the tendency of saviorism and being the fixer in your own life. I didn't realize how much I was that fixer and in that fixer energy until I was totally like called out by a really close friend of mine who was sharing with me something she was moving through and she was really upset and my tendency is you bring me a problem, I've got 90, 100 billion solutions already before you're even done with your sentence. And what I've learned from that is, one, I was not listening. I was not fully listening to this person because I was thinking about ways to fix or solve their problem. And two, I'm assuming that they even want help with this problem. I'm assuming that they even need support with this problem. And so it took her looking at me in the eyes and just saying, Alyssa, I don't need you to fix this. I don't want you to fix this. I just want you to listen. And I was like, 
it totally took me aback. And I am so, so grateful for her reflecting that to me because that moment seriously changed my life. It made me begin to see how people just want to be seen. And I know that for myself. I know I want to be seen. I know I want to be heard. But here I am overriding other people who are sharing their story, who are sharing their their experiences, their pain, their discomfort, and going straight into fixing it because I feel uncomfortable. Because I think that they want it to be different because I think that it should be changed or different because I want them to be happy because if they're happy, then I can be happy. Like it's just, ooh, let's talk about enmeshment for a moment. Holy bejeebus. So when we voted on, I have to just shake that off for a second. So when we voted on the theme for May and the membership, it was between fixer energy and saviorism. And well, I won't tell you the other one because we'll end up having a podcast episode on it anyways, but alas, saviorism won the vote. So on our masterclass, I moved them through some shadow work, some somatic work, and then we had some time to integrate and share as I opened the floor every, every masterclass so that they can really be seen in their shares, be seen in their story and allow for a moment of integration. I think that this is what makes this membership so different than other group containers that I've been in. I'm not just talking at you. I'm not just giving you all this information and bringing your awareness around it. There is maybe sometimes parts of that, but I really want to guide you into unlocking, into uncovering, into tapping into the wisdom that's already within you. So today on our podcast episode, I'm going to guide you through the shadow work that we did. And I'm going to guide you through the somatic work that we did as well so that you can meet and see the fixer and the savior within you and further release the burden of saviorism and fixing others so that you can come into more sacred relationships with one another. And with that, let's dive into part one, which is the shadow work. How many of you hear shadow work and get like the EBGBs? You're like, what is shadow work? I don't want to do it. It's just like, like, how can I push this as far away from me as possible? I actually even had a friend uncover a shadow aspect of herself and was just like, that's not me. Like, that's not a part of me. And it's so interesting to see how we relate to some of our deepest, darkest aspects of ourselves and how we push them away and truly the power that they get when we do that. And so this episode will be best listened to if you have some spaciousness to tap in, if you have a journal and a pen to kind of write down what comes through, that was also that's also super helpful. You know, best done maybe when you're not driving or when you're not trying to multitask. But at the same time, if you want to just listen and let it come through while you're doing, you know, the dishes, more power to you. Um, I think you'll get the most out of this if you allow yourself to kind of tune in and tap in. So in this first piece, we're going to uncover what the shadow is. We're going to bring the shadow into our awareness. 
So go ahead and finish this question. If I save or fix others, then I will be what? If I save or fix others, then I will be what? Some reflections in the membership were, if I save others, then I will be seen as good or powerful. If I fix others, then I will be safe. If I save others, I will be useful. I will be loved, useful again. I will be seen as the best. I will be a hero, accepted. If I save others, I will be the answer to their prayers. I will be seen as worthy. I will be loved. I will be worthy again. If I fix others, they won't be able to leave me. They'll be indebted to me. I will be equal or enough. So I share some of these reflections and I bring this question to the table to uncover the shadow because we want to see where the codependency lies within this pattern. Our fixing and our saving others is done with the thought or with the belief that we will then be indebted to, that we will then be worthy, we will be good, that others won't leave us. We are doing it with this expectation that we're going to get something in return for it. And in a lot of these reflections, what they're getting in return is how people will view them, right? As, as good or a hero or useful. And then there's this other piece that in fixing or saving others that they will then not leave me. They will be indebted to me. It is a way that we try to guarantee our safety and guarantee that this person will not leave us. That's the dependency. And so we can even tie in the resentment piece here because when we're fixing or saving others with the belief that they're indebted to us, with the belief that they will not leave us, with the belief that they will then do something or see us a certain way and they don't, we then get to play the martyr we then get to play the victim. Well, I did this. I saved them. I fixed their situation and they, they didn't do this in return or they didn't stay. When things are being done or given with an expectation or a tie to something else, we are not in right relationship with others in that way. We are actually creating more separation when we have these unconscious beliefs that if I fix their problem, if they fix their situation, they're indebted to me. We'll use that one for an example. And when they don't, you know, feel like they're indebted to you and they carry on with their lives, what do you then get to say about them? What story then gets to be validated? Oh, see, everyone always leaves me. I always give, I always do, I always fix, I always solve, and no one does it for me. I'm alone. See, I'm alone. See, no one helps me. We want to begin to break down this martyr complex so that we can step out of it and step into fuller, more fulfilling relationships with ourselves and with others. And so the second shadow work piece that I invited the women in the membership to move through is if I'm not fixing or saving others, then 
what will happen to you? What is the belief? Because this is a whole other aspect of, yes, it's still around the theme of fixing and saviorism. However, this is what we're unconsciously or subconsciously believing will happen to us if we don't. So some of their responses, if they're not fixing or saving others, is they'll be forgotten. They'll be alone. Then I'm nothing, someone said. Then I'm not needed. If I'm not fixing, it all falls apart. If not me, then who? Then I'm not the good, helpful person I thought I was. If I'm not giving or saving others, then I'm not doing my job and not living up to how I was raised. Very much a lot of this is what was modeled to us. So many mothers had to do things alone. They had to be everything, do everything, and say nothing and ask for nothing. And this is what we get to rewrite. Because what we're modeling to the children of the generations that will come after us, we want to show them that they get to ask for what they need. They are not responsible for taking care of every single person's feelings or emotions. We want to show them that they are responsible for theirs. And we want to show them how to hold space for others who are in discomfort. We want to show them that it's okay to experience discomfort, that in fact, it's a part of life and it's a beautiful part at that. What we're doing when we're fixing others and trying to save others is we're subconsciously telling them that we don't think that they can figure it out, that we don't trust they can figure it out, that we have a better solution than they do. I really had to like kick this out of me because I was like, I'm more efficient. I like, I know how to get shit done. I can think of like way more productive ways to handle this situation, but none of that matters. What matters is how I sit with you as you navigate it. What matters is how I connect with you as you navigate it. When we're in this pattern of saviorism, can we see its selfish nature? That we are likely doing this because it's attached to our good feelings about ourselves, because it is attached to how we want to be perceived, because it is attached to the safety that we either feel or don't feel in a situation. And we're taking this person's experience of their problems or their discomfort, and we're turning it into a whole thing that decides how we feel about ourselves. And that's what we have to shift out of. That's what we have to compost here. So many women shared that this was my job, that's my role to fix or to save. But what if your role is actually to be a sacred witness? What if your role is actually to be the listener, to be someone who's sitting there holding your hand saying, yeah, that's challenging. I'm here and I'm listening. You don't have to do this alone. I will never forget this experience with my mom. I was going through such a challenging time and we were outside this restaurant. We had met with my family for breakfast and I was just overwhelmed with emotions and couldn't stop from crying. And so I I walked outside. I was standing outside the restaurant 
And she came out and she just held me. She just held me and I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And she said nothing. She said nothing. And in that experience with her holding me and just looking at me and just saying, I, like, I love you. And just that was like literally all she would say, like, I love you. I love you. And just held me. And like, that was the most healing experience I've ever had. One of the most healing experiences that I've ever had, not only to be the receiver of that, but to also see the mirror and the reflection of the most healing thing is not the words that go to fix it or say it's going to be okay, or it's all right, or everything helps everything like those can obviously be helpful, but that the most healing thing a lot of times is saying nothing and being with someone. She was with me in it. So what if fixing and saving is not actually our role? What if being a sacred witness is? And that is sitting there and looking at someone and sitting across from them in their pain, in their discomfort, in their problem and saying, I see you. I'm here. And what if that was more than enough? What if that was the thing that shifted everything for them? Because I will tell you, it will shift everything for you to learn that that's actually empathy. Empathy is not coming in and saying, let's get you out of this mess. And where is that? Let's get you out of this mess. Actually, the selfish part, the part of you that doesn't want them to be in the mess, because if they're in a mess, what will that mean? What could that mean for you and your life? It's been so powerful in my relationship, even when my partner is venting or sharing a problem that he has to not go into fixing and actually say, you know, are you looking for someone to hold space and listen? Or are you looking for solutions? Because sometimes we are, right? Sometimes we are looking for advice. Sometimes we are looking for solutions. But I will tell you, I don't think that there's ever been a time (laughs) in all the times that I started using that, that he has told me that he's looking for advice or solutions. And that was a huge reality check for me. Where are we all just trying to be heard and seen and witnessed? So after uncovering those two shadow pieces of if I save or fix others, then I will be what? Or if I'm not fixing or saving others, then what will happen to me. Now I want you to ask yourself, how do you feel when you believe that thought? How do you feel when you believe the thought that if you're not fixing them, then you're not doing your role? If you're not saving them, then you're selfish for keeping knowledge that could help. If you're not fixing or saving them, then you're not helping enough. You're not doing your job. Those were the consistent ones. I'm not a good, helpful person. It'll all fall apart. How do you feel when you believe that thought? And some of them said shitty and manipulative AF. (laughs) They said it, not me, but I don't disagree. (laughs) Trapped, suffocated, a lot of pressure. Some of them shared conflicted and small, empty. I feel personally neglected anxiety and heaviness in my chest. So we want to see how 
Our thoughts around fixing and our thoughts around saving others is actually causing us anxiety, emptiness, heaviness in our chest. Like it's actually creating these visceral experiences in our body, which is keeping us from living in a state of peace and joy and love. We're in this response of, I need to fix, I need to change, I need to save because it's attached to my good feelings about myself, because it's attached to my safety, because it's attached to the role that I believe I'm supposed to play. But even that belief that you're supposed to play that role or that is your role is causing all of this discomfort, all of this heaviness, all of this emptiness, this pressure, this feeling trapped and suffocated. So this shadow work piece to wrap it up is uncovering the stories, the beliefs behind the pattern and the tendency of fixing and saviorism. And what we're going to do now is move into the second part, part two of the somatics. We want to now explore and bring awareness not only to the mind story, but now to the body's story. If you have this space, I would invite you to check out part two of this episode where we're going to dive into the somatics of this codependency pattern and find where it lives in your body so that you can begin to transmute and alchemize it for yourself. Remember that healing from codependency is a journey and it's important to be patient and compassionate with yourself along the way. Whether you're just starting out on your path or you've been working on your codependency for a while, know that you are not alone and that it's possible to create meaningful change in your life and relationships. If you have any questions or feedback, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'd love to hear from you. And if you found this podcast helpful, be sure to subscribe and leave a review so that others can discover these valuable insights and tools as well. Check out the show notes or description box below to grab my free codependency guidebook. Thanks again for tuning in. And remember, you are worthy of healthy, fulfilling relationships, and you have the power to transform your codependency into sovereignty.